Welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Corey Jason joined along with Ben Mandel and John Pauline. Guys, El Capitan will be back in pinstripes. Jeter is going to make his Old Timers Day debut for the 75th Old Timers Day, September 9th. Big news, the only positive coming out of Yankee Town. And you know what? It's nice to see Jeter back in the fold with the Yankees after leaving for the Marlins. Maybe he uh, is aiming for a little higher job in the front office. Some rumors swirling around that he wants to take over as general manager, president, kind of take the Yankees in his chi- as his childhood team and kind of run them. Why he wants to do that, I don't know. But, you know, I don't even know if that's a good idea. It's just the Yankees can't do anything right, so they probably will uh, end up ruining Jeter's image in Yankee fans' minds by doing that. It's the equivalent of Phil Jackson and Knicks fans. I mean, yeah. Was it uh, John Lynch out in West? With the, uh, was it, he ran the Broncos? No, he's with the uh, Niners. Mm-hmm. He's or currently the with the Elway running the Broncos. Mm-hmm. We got Wander Franco. Now we're going to kind of touch on this. It's a touchy situation. And, you know, things are still new out there. So we got to wait for things to develop, but he is on the uh, restricted list after all those social media allegations of him possibly and allegedly, you know, fooling around a little bit with a 14-year-old girl in the Dominican Republic. There are some rumors swirling around that it's an extortion attempt. She's really 19 with the kid. That's one rumor. What we do kind of have an idea of is, though, that she wanted a car and $200,000 from Wander. Our pictures of the two of them, you can never really tell how old somebody is by the pictures. She does look a little young, if I'm being honest, but you never know. So it's going to be something we're going to have to monitor. You don't want to, you know, have the mob send out after somebody without having all the facts and making sure they're guilty. We saw that already with how everything happened with Trevor Bauer. And it turns out he was vindicated in the end, but his MLB career was ruined. So you don't want to see that happen to this, especially with arguably worse allegations against him than we've seen faced in a long time to any other star athlete. So it's something to monitor, but he is on the restricted list. You know, he was he le- he wasn't playing on Sunday when the news broke, and he was kind of taken out of the dugout, kind of whisked away. They're investigating. But we'll keep monitoring, but we can't really go too much into detail because we don't have many of the facts or details to discuss. Something we can discuss, though, Shohei Otani. He just hit his 41st home run, but he had to skip a turn in the rotation dealing with some arm fatigue. Guys, is this something that, you know, could follow Otani into free agency? You know, teams are going to look at it and say, you know, you can't pitch and hit in the same season, you know, at this high level and stay healthy. They're going to really end up having to either choose one or, you know, be like an every other turn through the rotation arm, you know, maybe even extend to a six or seven man rotation just to keep him healthy. How do you think teams will deal with that type of stuff with Otani? Just think about it. If Otani goes out there and gives you 20 starts a season, that's still a steal. If he's going out there and hitting 40 home runs on top of it. So I don't think it's going to hurt him in free agency. Now, I think the bigger 
question to ask yourself. You can't call is, him an ace, though, if he's throwing 20 starts. Well, but that's the thing. He's going to make his money as a hitter. He's going to make his money as a pitcher, even if he's making 20 starts. Look at how much money Jacob deGrom just got. Look, I mean, how how healthy had he been the last two years? Otani's been healthier than him. <clears throat> and Jacob deGrom just got a ton of money to go not pitch in Texas. You know, it's it's one of those things where you see Verlander and Scherzer getting the $43 million per year. You're going to tell me Otani's not worth at least that per year? Come on. It's it's not going to hurt him free agency-wise. He is 100% going to go out there and still get his bag, even if he doesn't throw another inning this year. you got to also look at it. The Angels are now below 500. They are falling out of the playoff race rapidly. And look, why would Otani go out there and kill his arm going into free agency for a team that's done? I don't think it's to hurt him at all for agency either. I mean, I think in the future you might see him go to like sixth or seventh rotation spot maybe as he gets older and stuff and his arm gets worn down. But like, I don't see that happening anytime soon. I mean, and I feel like nowadays most starting pitchers get hurt anyways and probably only throw like to almost 20 starts a season because I feel like almost every day you hear about like these starting pitchers getting hurt all the time. And I mean, even like DeGrom, like God, he's hurt almost, I feel like all the time and people still call him an ace. So I mean, I feel like why not Otani, you know, he can still hit, just doesn't have to throw all the time. Yeah, I mean, you guys are right. I don't think it'll affect it too much, but it is worth mentioning because he is being touted as this ace-level pitcher and arm fatigue, yet he's still hitting, kind of throws a wrench in that mentality. But with his hitting, he is in the top four for every major offensive category that goes into the triple crown. He is fourth in average with a 305 average. Uh, first in home runs, 10 ahead of Luis Robert for the American League lead. Plus, he's third in RBIs with 84. That's only five behind Adolis Garcia for the lead. The average, he is a little far behind. You got Yandy Diaz at 323. And again, Otani is at 305. But do you think Otani can make a race, make it tight for the triple crown? Can he make it there? Can he get there? And even if he doesn't, and if he falls short, how close could he get? I think the average is too tough of a hill to climb. I don't see him catching Yandy Diaz there. I think the home runs, he's got it. The RBIs, he may get it. He may not. Who knows? I think, you know, the thing with Adolis Garcia is he's got guys that are on base in front of him a lot more than Shohei Otani. Otani has to hit the ball out of the yard or in the gap if he wants to drive in a run at this point. So, you know, I I think he can get there with the RBIs. The average is just way too steep a hill to climb, especially because Otani's going to get the walks. He's going to get more walks. He's going to get that treatment we saw Judge get. Now, 60 doesn't really seem to be uh, within reach at this point for Otani. On pace uh, for 56 or 57 right now. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't look like he's going to get to 60. He's fallen off that. But if he goes on a tear, he gets hot and hits seven next week, which, I mean, who knows he can do. We'll see. Yeah, I agree with Ben. I mean, this late in the season, the average is going to be kind of hard to get unless he absolutely just goes off and they keep pitching to him and don't pitch around him and he just hits everything coming at him. I mean, I think home run he basically has locked in for the season right now. I mean, I don't think anyone's really going to catch him. So, and he's probably going to hit that, you know, 57 mark. 
he might get close to 60, but it depends if they're going to pitch to him or not. And I mean, honestly, if you're the other team, like who's going to pitch to him? Cause it seems like almost all the time you just hear about him hitting home runs. So like, why, why even take the chance? Well, especially the other bats in the lineup don't scare you. Yeah, exactly. You have nothing. There's no protection in the lineup. Like, it's just like, you don't. you're not really forced to pitch to him. I mean, you can just, you can, you know, feel free to like, you know, intentionally walk him and then you don't really have to worry about him scoring a run. Now, I do also want to talk a little bit about the Mets locker room, and the reports are that it's a little toxic in there. Now, we know that there's been issues between some teammates in the past. You had the Lindor McNeil squirrel situation, the car situation, but also, you know, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander apparently had some beef dating back to their uh, Tiger days together, and they thought they had it resolved, but supposedly they had some issues with each other still. Justin Verlander was referred to as a diva and out of touch with the rest of his teammates. And also there, there are some unsubstantiated reports that Pete Alonso is kind of at the center of this, you know, clubhouse issue. And you know, I just don't know what to believe. There's nobody putting a name to it, which is always, you know, suspect and a red flag to me, because how can you say these things and, you know, not make it known that it's somebody in the locker room that's actually saying it. Even going back to the Astros cheating scandal in 2017, Mike Fires put his name out there. He made it, he had it attached to it. So we know who was saying it. And that's why it was believed and investigated. This Mets thing, you know, it's coming from New York Sports Talk Radio. And, you know, they're saying they have a source and it is Met fans hosts who are saying this type of thing. But the fact that we don't have a name connected to it's a little concerning to me. Do you guys have any thoughts on how that's being handled and, if there's any, you know, credence to it. There's a reason this isn't a national story. Yeah, they're talking about it on New York Sports Radio. There hasn't been a, an outlet like The Post to pick this up on Alonzo. Now, I saw The Post and Puma did put it out um, with the whole Scherzer Verlander thing. Verlander came out and addressed the comments, said, look, I have nothing but respect, love my time with the Mets. Yeah, I had some things that I went and pointed out. And the biggest thing was the analytic department. Apparently, he repeatedly would say how shit the Mets analytic department was compared to Houston's. So, whatever. But when you you look at everything, I view it as nothing is ever as good as it seems and nothing is ever as bad as it seems. And right now, things in general just feel really bad in Metland. So I think that is making this feel and look a lot worse than it actually is. That's what makes rumors like Alon like this thing about Alonso come out. But when you look at it, all of the great centerpieces in big markets have had stories like this come out. Look at Michael Jordan and the Bulls. You had a lot of reports and rumors that teammates didn't like playing with them, that Michael Jordan was too tough on them, that they did this, they did that. You know, Whenever you're a big-time player and the star of a team, you're going to have things like this come out, whether they're true or not. And I just – I don't buy into the Alonso claims. I don't think it was as bad as it seems with Verlander and Scherzer. From what I heard about it, the two were happy to work together again. Yeah, they had moments where they disagreed, but they're grown men who are coworkers and were more than able to work through it. It's they're not a like that past locker- grown men too, Ben, just to add on. They're a little past it. They're well, old men at this point. Well, yeah, and Veterans. when you, well, but when you look at what the Mets have done since those two guys departed, 
does it look like anything's gotten better? I mean, so you can't sit there and say that those two were a major problem. It just seems like there's like pointing fingers at people that like blame, like for the lack of success, you know, up in, you know, New York there. And it seems like for some reason they can want to point the finger at Pete Alonso. Yeah, it's just interesting that it's all coming about now in the midst of a historically bad season for the Mets, especially compared to their aspirations. Well, you, you look know, at the payroll, and that says it all. Yeah. They had a record-high well, payroll. The Mets also, right now, according to, uh, I think it was Fangraphs, have had the second-largest dip between preseason and August 14th odds to make the playoffs in history. The only worst team is the Boston Red Sox, who had a extremely large dip that I don't think the Mets could even touch. And the Yankees right now this year are, are the third-worst team in history. So we're going to touch on that a little bit later about New York, the New York sports and New York baseball and, you know, how terrible it's been. But it just seems to be coming at a really difficult time for the Mets, and this is just not something that they need to compound with all their other issues. I want to also bring up, though, John Singleton of the Astros because we had talked Verlander and, you know, the Astros analytic department. Singleton was one of the first guys brought in by that original analytic department and Jeff Lunau. He debuted in 2014 at 22 years old. You know, he was the first player ever to sign a multi-million dollar extension before even playing in the major leagues, before even debuting on a big league field. And, you know, he had marijuana issues, drug issues, suspended at least three times, had a lot of issues, went to rehab. Even one time said to a reporter, you know, I think I'm a drug addict. And he bounced around, started a gym, went to Mexico, played with the Brewers last year, and got cut and finally made his way back to Houston, where eight years and 13 days from his last major league home run, he hit not one but two home runs to go from 14 to 16 career home home runs. But he's a long cry from the 22-year-old rookie now at 31 years old, right? So it's just a really good feel-good story to hear back home in Houston with the team that took a big chance on him. And, you know, I can't, I can't help a root for him and hope that he plays well, but let's move into the studs and duds. Cause there's a couple guys that had a pretty good week this week. And I think the main guy that I think just blew everybody by far in a way out of the water, Matt Olson with the Braves 12 for 30 over the course of the week, right? He had only you know, 10 runs scored, one double because he doesn't hit doubles. All he hits is home runs. He had seven, four of those, seven singles, 10 RBIs, just completely destroyed everything in his way. Then on the flip side, though, possibly the worst outing I've ever seen by a future possible Hall of Famer in Adam Wainwright with the uh, Cardinals. One inning, took the loss, no strikeouts, right? He gave him two home runs. Eight earned runs in the one inning. Just a historically incredibly bad outing for him. And it really makes you think that he stayed one year too late and he should have went out with Pujols and, you know, Yachty. But, uh, Ben, let me hear your stud and your dud. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. Wainwright, he he stayed a year too late. He thought he had another one in him. He didn't. Now, you look at my stud, it's Freddie Peralta. And Freddie Peralta had a whale of a week 
for the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, he not only had one good start, he had two. In the first start, he was able to pile up 13 strikeouts. He was able to go seven innings, allowing just one run on one hit. It was a home run, and, I mean, just a fantastic outing. He then followed it up in Chicago against the White Sox, going six innings, just four hits, three walks, no runs, six strikeouts, two quality starts. That's a total of 13 innings, five hits allowed, three walks, one run, and 19 strikeouts. Sign me up for that every day, Freddie Peralta. Now, Alex Cobb is going to be my dud. And someone who was very strong for the San Francisco Giants, a team that has surged in the second half, Alex Cobb has just been a dud since the All-Star break. This week, four and a third innings pitched. He took the loss, six earned runs, nine hits, two walks, three strikeouts. His ERA has climbed from a 2.91 to a 3.62, and his whip is all the way up to a 1.37 now since the All-Star break. Alex Cobb. He's been a dud for a while. He's my dud this week. My stud this week is a, a rookie, Cleveland Guardian starting pitcher, Gavin Williams. He pitched he pitched two games last week, went 12 innings, only given up six hits, one earned run, one walk, 22 strikeouts, got a quality start, but sadly both games he didn't really get any run support, so they factored were two no decisions, but still putting up ace-like numbers and might be a future ace for the Guardians there. My dud is someone who's been pretty much good all year long up until now is a Texas Ranger right fielder, Adolis Garcia. Three hits, four walks, a measly 130 batting average last week. I mean, you hope he's not going into a slump right around now, you know, but, you know, hopefully he pulls out of it. Yeah, and, you know, I kind of want to move into, you know, talking about these teams. You both have the Rangers pretty highly rated in your rankings. So, John, why don't you kind of start us off and kind of go through your rankings and explain where your mind was at. You know, you had, you know, 10 very good teams in there, but you didn't have the Giants. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on why that is. And then also you didn't have the Phillies. So why no Phillies? And what are the state of affairs there? So for my rank, I got Braves at one. I mean, they've been at one for a while and I think everyone has them at one. I mean, I don't there's no team better than right now. No, I think after the Braves, I feel like I, you can see people bouncing around, but I still think Orioles are second best team. They've been pretty dominant. I mean, I don't think they've, I don't think they've lost a series yet this year, got swept yet. So I mean, just good all around. And then for third, I had the Rangers because I mean they've just been hot, 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 and are really making like a really nice push here at the end here. And then I got the Rays at four kind of fell off a little bit at the end here, not doing as great, you know, but I still think they're a good team. So I kept them at four and then I have five. I got the Dodgers doing really good now, been doing good for a while. Then the Astros doing good. Like they did last week, about like around around like that. My rankings stay the same pretty much. And they got the Brewers still doing good. You know, I think they're, they're first, their division and then i got the and then i have the cubs the cubs have just been hot and been making like a real push in the central and uh, honestly i think they're gonna win i mean hopefully they stay hot and then i got the blue jays blue jays i feel like been up and down all season like you know they I think they fell out top 10 a few times and they're in the top 10 i mean seems like they're just kind of hanging around and i just couldn't really find a better team than them i wanted to put up there 
Nintendo got the Mariners, and I feel like, you know, they're finally getting it together now, and they're just stringing together a lot of, you know, good games, again, some, like, you know, success here late in the season, which hopefully they can, you know, keep going and maybe make a, you know, get in the playoffs. Now, I didn't put in the the Giants. I mean, the Giants, I mean, they were in, I think, my rankings last week, but, I mean, they lost the series to the Angels, and they lost the series to the Rangers. And, you know, lately, you know, just haven't had a really good week. So, I mean, I took them out and put in some other teams that I felt deserving. And the Phillies, I don't want, I'm super, I mean, they, the Phillies deserve to be in there, but I'm superstitious because every time I put them in there, I swear to God, they start losing, losing, losing. And I don't want to, I don't want to jinx them now because, I mean, you just had Lorenzen hit a no-hitter. Castellanos hit a, got a 200, hit a 200 home run milestone mark. And then you had a, Weston Wilson hit his first home run, first major league back all in one game. So, I mean, the Phillies are on, had a bad series against the Twins, but nothing to worry about. Now, Ben, for you, you didn't have the Cubs in your rankings. Kind of want to hear you explain why, along with the rest of your rankings. Give me a little taste of what went through that big mind of yours. And also, you know, is this the lowest point in New York baseball history? The Yankees and Mets, both in last place. They've never finished in last place in the same year, ever. And it just seems to be, you know, things keep getting worse. As soon as you think you hit the low point, it just gets lower and lower for both teams. So let me uh, hear a little bit of your thoughts on that. Well, it's one of those things. We'll start with New York sports and New York baseball. It is at a low point right now, especially as far as I can remember, because the Yankees haven't had a losing season in my lifetime. So, yes, this is a low point for New York baseball. Buckle up. It's going to get lower right now. It's not going to end until the end of the season. As far as my rankings, I had Atlanta, Baltimore, the Dodgers, then Texas at four, Tampa at five, Houston at six, Toronto at seven, Philly at eight. John, I did put them in. Hopefully I didn't jinx your boys. Seattle at nine and then Milwaukee at 10. I think Seattle, I agree with you, John, they've been hot. I think that the Dodgers right now, they've been hot though, too. They've pulled away from the Diamondbacks. They've pulled away from the Giants a bit there in the West. They are solidifying themselves as a top tier team. Freddie Freeman put it together. You know, he wasn't doing that early on. Now he's doing it. They're hitting the ball. They're getting pitchers back. Clayton Kershaw came back. Walker Bueller's on his way. He's going to come back as a starter. Lots of good things coming there. Now for the Cubs, they just didn't have the best week. I think, you know, the Cubs didn't have the best week. There are a lot of good teams. I think the team that's leading the Central had a better week in the Milwaukee Brewers. They deserve to be in there. I also didn't have the Giants in there like John. I think that the Giants were a fringe team like the Cubs. Those two teams are right now 11 and 12. They're knocking on the door. But the bottom line is there are more better teams in the American League. That leads you to want to put those guys in. Nationally, League feels like very weak this year. Very weak. Yeah, but the Nationally's got the best team in the league, right? Yeah, but like other than that, they feel like super weak. They 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 do. The American League seems to be more compact in the middle with a bunch of mid teams this year, not so much at the top end. But let's get into our weekly series highlight. Let's highlight one series that we think is going to be, you know, something to keep an eye on. That's either got playoff implications or some other type of thing going on. For me, Milwaukee at Texas, you got two possible playoff teams. Milwaukee needs to start beating some really good teams if they want to run away with the division and prove they can play with the likes of an Atlanta 
because in the American League side, Texas and Baltimore and, and Toronto are really the only comparable teams to Atlanta. So it's a good test, especially against possibly the best offense in all of baseball. So it'll be a good test for the Milwaukee's pitchers. And on the flip side, Texas struggles against good teams. So they really need to beat down on a team that isn't quite on their level like Milwaukee. So, John, how about you? What's your uh, your weekly series you want to highlight? I got the White Sox at the Cubs, you know, some crosstown rivalry there. You know, White Sox looking for some, you know, late-term success here at the end of the season, on a losing season, seeing if they can, you know, maybe end on a high note here. And then you got the Cubs who are hot and make, they're making a playoff push to see if they can keep that going. Now, how about you, Ben? I'm going Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Bloods going at it. You've got the best rivalry in baseball. Both of these teams are no longer competing for a spot. This is going to be genuine hatred. Baseball played just for the sake of baseball. Neither of these teams are trying to get in the playoffs. They are playing to beat the other team. It is going to be amazing. Just baseball being played as baseball should I, I'm excited for it. I don't care that they're not playoff teams. I'm still going to watch Yankees, Red Sox. It's must-watch TV no matter what. You said it's full of hatred, right? But is it hatred for each other, or is it more now hatred for yourself? Because I don't know who hates the Yankees more, Red Sox, the Red Sox fans, or the Yankee fans, because the Yankee fans right now will give the Sox fans a run for their money. But that'll do it here for us for the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. For Corey Jason, John Pauline, Ben Mandel, check us out, Outsidersports.net, the X, or a.k.a. Twitter, Outsidersports3, YouTube, TikTok, just search up Outsidersports. This lovely mug will pop up. And keep it locked in because we got some great football stuff and hockey starting up soon. Lots of good stuff coming from the Outsidersports family. 